We have gathered here to celebrate a very important Jewish holiday. <laughs> Probably the most important Jewish holiday of the whole calendar. to celebrate the birth and the life and the charitra of probably the greatest Jew of all time. <laughs> it's funny, the two greatest Jews in uh, historical time after the age of the prophets, uh, I think were, were both excommunicated by the Jewish community, meaning Yeshua and Spinoza. And both were excommunicated because of their teaching of non-duality. This is also, by the way, a great Muslim holiday because uh, Yeshua is recognized as a prophet by Muhammad. It's in the Quran. It's official. He is a Navi, meaning prophet. Navi is the word in that film, uh, what was it called? Avatar for those people who are free, the noble savages, as Rousseau would call them, those who live in harmony with nature and with God. And of course, in a certain sense, because he was Jewish and all of the early Christians, now called Christians, were Jews, this always uh, has to be recognized as a Jewish teaching. It is uh, a teaching that derives very directly from the Essenes, who were, I would say, the, the core Israelites of the time, the monastic Israelites. And they were yogis. And Christ was a great yogi. Now, of course, the stories we have in the four Gospels that got chosen in the Nicene Council were uh, written much later than the, the life of Yeshua, and so we can only claim them to be mythological. The early teachings were censored by the Roman Church. Some of them have been found there, the Nag Hammadi Gospels, but the real oral teachings have disappeared and the closest we can probably come to them are the teachings of Satyoga, because he was a great yogi. He did, in fact, complete Judaism in the sense that he morphed the Old Testament God of violence into a God of love, of vulnerability, a God of ahimsa, a God of compassion, a God of self-sacrifice. And that morphing is essential to creating a God image that is conducive to a truly refined culture. Because God clearly is at the top of the food chain of any ecosystem. And if God is an aggressor, a predator, a killer, a mass murderer, as he is depicted in the Old Testament, then that gives... Uh, it gives the uh, illusion of the right of humans to also be predators who are at the top of the food chain in the physical sense. 
But the only way that nature will remain in order is if those species that are at the top of the food chain are vegetarian, are nonviolent. And then all of the other creatures can trust them and there can be communion in nature. That's the real meaning of the lion lying down with a lamb. It has to happen in our hearts. And then the lions and the lambs will know that they can do business with us. They don't have to fear us. They don't have to experience alienation from fellow creatures of nature who are also the link with the supernatural. And so this blood sacrifice of Christ's has to be understood as the sacrifice of the ego that is essential for all of us to go through. And this blood sacrifice replaced the sacrifice of circumcision that was uh, part of the Abrahamic writ or covenant. Abraham, of course, whose name was changed from Abrahma to Abrahman, in the sense that the recognition was that the power of the uncreated absolute is that who must be worshipped, not simply the creative power that obtains on the physical plane, which is actually one of the resistances of the Hebrews to accepting Christ as the Messiah for the very fact of his physicality, because, of course, God is not physical, has no form, no attributes, no gunas. And yet Christ, of course, is very different than Jesus or Yeshua. Jesus being the name given by the Romans to the body, but Christ representing the spirit. And it is that spirit that is to be worshipped, not the body. To worship the body, whether the body of Jesus or your own body, is idol worship. This is what all religions have come to eliminate, to help us overcome. And that's why Christ also brought the yama of brahmacharya, which the Essenes, again, had maintained, but the other Sadducees and Pharisees among the Israelites had not maintained that purity of life, which was one of the reasons for their downfall. And so this great teacher is to be recognized both as a myth, and myths are more real than historical facts, but as a symbol of a cosmic reality that will take place historically. One of the fundamental truths of all religions is that they begin as descriptions of the apocalypse that is to come at the end of Kali Yuga which is why Jesus is often saying in the Gospels, the world is going to end, you know, in your lifetime. Uh, it's not really that he was mistaken in his timing, but that we must prepare for that and live as if the end is going to happen uh, at any moment, if we're going to live accurately with the correct values. And now, in fact, we are at that moment. And in this very moment, when the apocalypse is really happening, people are asleep and not believing in it, including the Christians. 
But the apocalypse is at the heart of every religion, whether it's Islam or Buddhism or Hinduism, Vedanta, Vedas, the Vedas, Vedic texts are all about that. The Ramayana, the Mahabharata. Because this is the great final exam that all of us must go through. And you have to go through this final exam whether you're ready or not, whether you've studied for it or not. And the whole point of a wisdom school is to study as hard as possible to be ready for that exam. And if you don't take it seriously, you'll fail. And so this school that is God's school that we call the world is a very tough school. It requires absolute perfection in order to graduate. And the teachings of all the great teachers, including Christ, are teachings about how to attain perfection. Of course, it's very clear that Christ as a being, Yeshua, I'll call him as, let's say, the historical sage upon whose life the mythology is based, but who is not truly represented either by that name or by those stories, was not born on December 25th, but that date is used because of its astronomical symbolism as being that time in which the sun dies and is reborn. Which is why this date in the Roman pagan religion was referred to as Natalia Sol Invictus, the natal day of the invincible sun, who when he rises, when he appears, when he emerges fully into the phenomenal plane, creates the kingdom of heaven. And he does this regularly at the end of every cycle of time. You can find this truth in every religion, same teaching. It's not unique, and that's why there's really only one religion in the world, even though the clerical establishments have made it uh, a point to try to obscure that fact. But Christ is not meant to be worshipped. He is meant to be emulated. And the Christ self is not about someone who lived in Palestine 2,000 or so years ago, but is about you, about all of us, everyone. The Christ is the Holy Spirit, the Atman, that must be born in each of us if the kingdom of heaven is to be brought about as a reality. When I say in all of us, that's in a critical number of souls in communion who have the power to overcome the chaos of the world through the divine order that emanates from our hearts and minds when we are in full God consciousness.
And it is this that is the goal of Satyoga as of every other religion. <clears throat> the problem with Christianity is they mistook the worship of Christ and turned it into the worship of Jesus. And once they did that, they began worshiping an idol, a body. And they lost their communion with God and instead had a communion with matter. So what is important is to rise above the illusion of the material world and recognize that all of this is spirit. This is why in the Gospel of Thomas, one of those that were censored, but rediscovered in the Nag Hammadi group of, of early Gospels, says, in which Jesus is made to say, the kingdom of heaven is spread out right now, but you don't see it because your third eye is not open. You're seeing with the eyes of duality. Let thine eye be single, and thy body shall be filled with light. And that light shall be able to recognize that the whole universe is the reflection of the emanation of that light. These teachings are meant to be very practical. They are meant to overcome the delusions of the ego mind. And they are meant to be a, an integration of bhakti and jnana. Because the love of God in the form of the risen Christ is to be based on the recognition that he is Christ through the truth of his teachings. It's the teachings that are the key. But the teachings, because they were given in parables and because many of the original ones have disappeared, are now no longer those which have the integrity of his true words, but have been filtered through egoic minds with different agendas than that of salvation. And so we must recover the truth that is hidden within those words and interpret them accurately if Christmas is going to have a true meaning. And that meaning can only be the birth of Christ in you, as you. Which is why we gave the main road of our ashram the name Camino del Cristo Cosmico. This is a Christian ashram. And it's very important that we recognize that Christ is the cosmic self. And that cosmic self, in its microcosmic form, is you. You are nothing but that. And so this gathering tonight is the gathering to bring about the birth of Christ as yourself in full living reality. Not simply to have a glimmer of some divine light occasionally or of peace, 
but to be the very source of the light and the peace, the joy, the power of the Almighty that alone can transform our world from hell into heaven. And if you're a true Christian or a true Sat Yogi, you will take that challenge with utmost seriousness and recognize that it refers to this moment and must happen now. And nothing else in life is important if that does not happen. Nothing else matters. Nothing else has any reality but that. Whatever other ambitions, desires, fears, constructs, fantasies are in the mind, must all be sacrificed to this one attainment. And because God is perfect, simply through that realization that you are that brings about perfection easily, spontaneously, instantaneously. Christ says, before Abraham was, I am. Echoing the I am that I am of the Old Testament. But it also means that the self, the Atman, the spirit of God is here always, eternally. And it is only our forgetfulness that has led to this long sojourn into the darkness of history, a nightmare from which we must all now awaken. The Christ Mass is the recognition that the end of that nightmare can happen now, if you allow Christ to be born in you and as you. The birth of Christ is the moment in which the nivriti turns to become the pravriti, in which the descending energies of consciousness turn and rise again toward the sun, toward the Holy One. the tshuva of the Jewish tradition. This return of consciousness to the source is tapas. It's dhyana. It's samadhi. And Christ consciousness is kevalya. There is no difference except in the signifier, but the signified of all religions is one. For Christ to be born, however, 
the eagle must die. It is the death of the ego that is the advent of Christ that makes the birth of Christ possible. If there is still an illusory self, how can the real self emerge? And because the illusory self is identified with time and space and matter, Eternity is obscured. Infinity is obscured. The noumenon is obscured. It is the wiping away of these obscurations, the tearing of the veils, the traversing the plane of the phenomenal through the diaphanon into the noumenal real of God that can only happen when consciousness has been freed from its identification with the body. Freed from its localization in time and space. Freed from its condition of believing it is a creature rather than a co-creator. And freed from believing it has any needs or anything to fear. The victory of God is the victory over the belief that matter trumps spirit. This is the condition of the ego. It is enslaved to matter. It believes it needs all kinds of material comforts, starting with food, sex, material power, money, all those kinds of things that psychologists nowadays will even say, yes, you need those to be healthy. Well, Christ said, no, not true. You have no needs except the Father who art in heaven and to have union with that one. That is our only need. And if you have fulfilled that need, then all else will be given to you. And it is the recognition of the goodness and the mercy and the power of God to give, to be the bestower of good fortune, of prosperity, of abundance, of joy, of bliss of full empowerment that is the true essence of faith. And faith is not about some verbal belief. It's about the recognition that your life, your every action is weighed on the scales of karma and destiny. And you choose in every moment, in every act, that perfection of goodness and greatness that repudiates all sense of need that can be completely vulnerable because you are completely invulnerable 
that has no fear of dying on any cross and no need to kill anyone who is cross with you. No need for anger, no need for greed, no need for lust, no desire for any of those elements of egoic life that obsess the egoic mind. <clears throat> it is freedom from that obsession and from the projection of desire onto the physical plane. Desire that truly belongs only as the love of God. As the force that brings you inward to the center, the heart, the divine self the heaven that exists only within. That is the true course of pure action of the power of desire that brings about its own fulfillment. And has no need for any other. But the ego runs away from God. It flees the divine. Anxiety itself is the fear of God. But the fear of God hidden from oneself so that one does not know why one is feeling fear. Because in the presence of God, the ego dies. Not only does it die, but there is recognition that it never was. It was always only an illusion, a mirage, simply made up out of words and memory traces. Traces of memories of experiences that never really even happened. because they cannot happen to the real self, which is beyond happenings, because the self is uncreated and untouched by trauma. Only the illusion suffers the trauma that illusion itself is, and only the self can free us from illusions. No psychoanalyst can free you no psychologists, <clears throat> no processes of therapy, no drugs. Nothing can free you from trauma because the ego is trauma, <clears throat> except the annihilation of the illusion of the ego in the luminosity of God. And the birth of Christ simply represents that moment in which the luminosity is fully achieved and established here on earth in the phenomenal plane, invulnerable, completely at peace, beyond the jurisdiction of desire and fear. This is our true nature. 
Christ represents our own lives as we are meant to live them, fully empowered, with no weakness, no infantile egoic traces left, nothing but the divine, eternal self that is pure love. But love that is a love based in non-duality, it is not a love of others, it is love of the self, the one self, that is recognized as manifesting as multiplicity. But the multiplicity is the illusion and the unity is the real. This is what Satpurusha Mangat Ram talks about as the radiant sameness, samatha, the sameness of the recognition of God in everything, everywhere as the whole that unites and integrates all actants in the cosmos. And because God is that force behind all the actants, God is the one actor. And none of us do anything because what this is is simply a hologram. We are not really here. We believe we are here because we're identified with the characters in this film, but we are not. We are watching the film because it is a film made by God and God enjoys his creation. But the moment God gets tired of the demonic nature of how it has turned out, then he'll start eating the popcorn and it's all over. And that's what we must do now, disidentify from the hologram, the matrix. And rather than watching the movie, watch the watcher. See the one eye that sees all and realize you are that.